This episode is brought to you by JLL. Get an insider view into the world of commercial real estate with JLL's podcast, Trends and Insights, the Future of Commercial Real Estate. Whether you're curious about making cities more sustainable, the evolution of office space, or AI opportunities, this podcast will help keep you a step ahead. Tune in for candid conversations with business leaders about the biggest trends impacting how we live, work, and play. Subscribe to Trends and Insights now at jll.com slash podcast. Today, we break down the Paxton impeachment trial, who's behind it and why it matters for the country. And it all starts right now. Welcome to the News and Why It Matters. I am Sarah Gonzalez, and today the impeachment trial of Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton has come to a close, and the political fate of Paxton rests in the hands of the Texas Senate. 30 senators are now deliberating on 16 articles of impeachment ranging from bribery, conspiracy, to dereliction of duty, and misuse of public office, among other accusations. It's been over 100 years since the last impeachment proceeding of an elected official in Texas, so how did we get here? Well, back in 2020, eight so-called whistleblowers went to the FBI to accuse Paxton of serious crimes. Some of them resigned, some were fired later, and four went on to sue the Office of the Attorney General for violating whistleblower retaliation laws by firing them. The OAG asked the Texas legislature to settle the lawsuit, presumably because it would be much cheaper than, well, what we've just seen play out over the last nine days. But the House didn't do that. Why? Well, we'll get into that. House impeachment managers painted a sexy and salacious tale of Ken Paxton allowing his friend and campaign donor Nate Paul to essentially run the agency after the FBI raided Paul's home and offices as part of a probe into his business dealings in 2019. We were promised hard evidence of Paxton accepting bribes in the form of new countertops, secret burner phones, secret email addresses, and corruption serious enough to warrant removing the most conservative fighter in the state. Hell, quite possibly the country. Evidence that they said was 10 times worse than what we know. That didn't happen. And yet, if 21 members of the Senate vote to convict Paxton on any of the impeachment articles, Paxton will be removed from his office, an office that over 4 million Texans voted him into. But the vote has far greater political implications than that. Make no mistake, if successful, this will become the national blueprint for removing duly elected officials from office with no evidence. Because if this kind of a farce can stand in Texas, it can stand anywhere. Here to help me break it all down are... My friends, Tony McDonald, a Texas attorney, Brady Gray, the president of Texas Family Project, and Michael Quinn Sullivan, publisher of Scorecard and host of the Texas Minute. Thank you guys for being here. It's not often that I get to do like a Texas-centric show with my Texas friends. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I, I appreciate it. Um, so... Obviously, there was, what, nine days of this thing, a lot to unpack, um, and I want to make sure that we get to uh, the, the important parts first. So, did I, did I, first, let me ask you guys this. Did I do an okay job of outlining what the allegations are? You did a better job than the Texas House did <laughs> in laying out the allegations. To be fair, that's a pretty low it's bar. It's a pretty low bar, and I apologize. For yeah. That. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, so this all, they, they kept saying he gave his friend the keys to the office. Uh, his friend was being investigated. They tried to make it sound like they already knew Nate Paul is clearly a criminal. You should have known that to begin with. So, essentially, you're saying you are handing over the keys to the AG to a criminal, 
and you're misusing that public office to benefit a criminal, is what I heard. And, and you know, t- Tony can speak this better than I can, but look, I, it, it's so funny that they, you know, they, you want, everyone wants to characterize Nate Paul as a criminal. Maybe he is, maybe right. he's not. I right. don't know who this guy is. Right. But in our system of government, even the most vile criminal still has rights. Mm-hmm. Even the most vile criminal is still allowed to go to any law enforcement officer he can find and say, my rights are being violated mm-hmm. by this agency, this party, this individual, this actor. Um, and, and what we are being told to believe is that that no longer matters in the United States. Right. And that if, if Nate Paul, the, the, the disgusting, vile real estate investor, Nate Paul, um, is not allowed to go to a district attorney, an attorney general, you know, a cop at the donut shop mm-hmm. and say, the FBI is violating my rights. What possible, what, what, what possible recourse does some poor black kid in downtown Dallas have? Mm-hmm. What recourse does some you know, rural you know, trailer trash you know, white mm-hmm. kid outside mm-hmm. of Abilene have? What recourse does some Hispanic girl in Laredo have? You know, it, this is far more serious than just whether or not you know, Ken Paxson gets to keep his, his cushy job. Right, yeah. The, the rumor, the, the allegation of, oh, the keys to the kingdom were given to Nate Paul is so far from the truth of the evidence that we saw come out in this trial. I mean, the evidence, and it was in the pretrial filing, so they've had this for months. You see Nate Paul and his attorneys complaining constantly, hey, AG's office, do something. I think there's you know, conflicts of interest in this office. This office isn't doing its job. Because they had this allegation, to Michael's point, they said, look, we think the FBI forged the search warrant in our case. They'd never do that. There was was a search warrant issued, and we think that by the time we receive the copy when they're going through his business, something changed Mm -hmm. about these two documents. Well, that's a huge allegation. I mean, that's that's a huge allegation. And it really comes down to this concept of there's some of us who believe that the feds sometimes do awful things, mm. right? Ken Paxton seemed to believe that the feds sometimes do awful things. I believe that the feds sometimes do awful things. And he had these subordinates who said, absolutely not. I'm a career lawman. I've been in DPS. I'm a Texas Ranger Hall of Famer. I'm in the, I'm in the Hall of Fame. My face is on the wall in the Hall of Fame. Absolutely, under no circumstances, this is a conspiracy theory, this idea, and we're not going to investigate it. Under no circumstances are we going to take steps. Oh, but we will mislead Nate Paul to think that we're going to investigate. We're going to mislead Ken Paxton to think that we're doing our job. And then we're going to go and we're going to go to the FBI and say, this guy, Ken Paxton, he's trying to investigate you. He's trying to investigate the investigators. So I want to, Brady, I want to get your thoughts, um, but I want to play really quickly to your point, Tony. Um, I want to play one of the whistleblowers and one of the witnesses, Ryan Vassar, who was a uh, former deputy attorney general for legal counsel. And he said, by the way, there are so many titles in that office. I don't know how anyone keeps them Everyone straight. A title. They, they, they must have a giant flow chart that they're constantly going by. Um, 
Um, but uh, so Vassar, similar testimony to, uh, as you pointed out, David Maxwell, the former Texas Ranger. But this fascinating exchange between him and I believe this was Mitch Little, uh, Paxton defense attorney Mitch Little, who um, he was asking him, so you, do you really trust the feds right now? You really trust the FBI? Vassar's like, I have no reason not to. Watch. He told you that he had spoken to Nate Paul. He didn't hide that, did he? No, sir. He told you he would believe that Nate Paul was being railroaded just like he has been. Yes? Yes, sir. He told you he didn't trust DPS or the feds, didn't he? Yes, sir. And he didn't hide that, did he? Uh, not, not in that meeting. Do I... you, by the way? Do you trust the feds? Trust I... the FBI? Yes. I have no reason not to. I trust law enforcement and our peace officers. You can't think of one reason in the last three or four years not to trust the FBI? I'm speaking mainly personally. Ken Paxton told you he didn't want to use his office to help the feds in any way, didn't he? Yes, sir. He didn't hide that from you, did he? No, sir. I, I heard that and I was like, Ken Paxton is based. <laughs> Brady. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we've seen the weaponization of the federal government over the last three years. We've seen that in an incredible way across the spectrum. And so it's no surprise that we see it play out here in Texas. What is a surprise is that uh, eight bureaucratic members of that office would form a coup and go against our own attorney general. And that's, mm -hmm. that's what we've seen here. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, obviously we heard all of this. I trust law enforcement from Maxwell, as you pointed out, from Vassar here. Um, I believe uh, all Bangert, um, Jeff Mateer. And it, it is really fascinating because on paper, they have the conservative credentials that you would think that they would know better, right? You would think that they wouldn't do something like that. So it's almost like, what is it that transforms someone once they get into, you know, the bureaucracy for so long that they, what, what happens? Law school? Yeah, it, uh, it's, uh, my friend Carrie, says, my friend Carrie says, all you lawyers are, are glitter poster people. You got through school because you put more glitter on your poster than the next guy. And, you know, it's a lot of teachers pets mm -hmm. uh, you know, that are lawyers, quite frankly. And so, you know, you have people, even people on the on the right, right, who are in, you know, religious liberty cases and stuff like that, uh, susceptible to being very involved in the system. They want to be a judge. They want to be, get promoted. It, it, it's rare that you find lawyers who are willing to fight the system or even recognize the system. That there's elements of it that need to be fought. Yeah. Um, that is really rare. Um, so I want to I want to go to what I believe to be the most explosive uh, allegation against Paxton, which is the the issue of bribery. So the allegation was that Ken Paxton accepted uh, bribery in the form of these brand new, brand spanking new, sparkling clean granite countertops in the Paxton's kitchen, which, by the way, all of this is compounded by the fact that, you know, uh, Paxton's wife, Angela, is a Texas senator. So essentially, they are also accusing Angela of abuse of office and, you know, corruption and all of these things indirectly. And so all of this allegation, it was in incredible watching this play out because all of these witnesses talked about, oh, yeah, I heard from so-and-so that he got new countertops and it was because of Nate Paul and Nate Paul paid for it. And I don't remember who told me. I don't know. I think I heard it from my grandma's brother's sister down the road. And, you know, and it was just like, how 
wait a second, who said this? So finally, we get to Drew Wicker, who was uh, Paxton's former personal assistant. And, you know, he testified he felt very close to the family. He said Angela called him, uh, called him her second son. And he said that he heard the contractor in the Paxton's home who was doing renovations because of water damage. Uh, he heard the contractor three times saying that he would check with, quote, Nate about additional renovations. And at the time, he expressed his concern to these other witnesses who obviously were already like instigated up into a frenzy and believed the worst no matter what. And so I want to play the moment that uh, Tony Busby, Paxton's attorney, just dealt an absolute blow to the prosecution, showing all these invoices and photos of the Paxton's home and the kitchen renovations that apparently never actually happened. Watch. Now, you care about the truth, don't you, Drew? Yes, sir. And you want the truth to come out, don't you? I believe it has to. Yes, it's important, isn't it? Yes, sir. And now we see that the picture of the Paxton home, we can see that there were no work done on the countertops, can't we? Yes, we can. We can see that there was no work done in the cabinetry, can't we? Yes, sir. Pretty clear, isn't it? From those images, yes. Accusing someone of bribery for accepting granite countertops and new cabinetry is a very serious allegation, isn't it? I would agree. And you understand that Mr. Paxton, General Paxton, has no obligation to prove anything, right? He's being accused. Yes, sir. He didn't have to prove anything, does he? Yes, sir. But we've proven that the countertops were not altered in any way, haven't we? The countertops appear to have not been altered. That's the cabinets have not been altered in any way, have they? It would appear that way, yes, sir. Put to bed this issue. Completely put to... Done. You, you, you have this fellow who, knowing that by their own, their own titling, the cool kids, mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. the cool kids were already in the tizzy over Nate Paul. And so here's this guy who, I don't know if he's a lawyer or not, I don't think he is. Aunt Drew? Uh, Drew. He's the coffee. He is the, 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 the coffee boy. Yeah, he's the coffee boy. <laughs> you know, um, you know, but he, he wants to be a cool kid, just like everyone else wants to be the cool kids. And so he goes, and says, oh my gosh, you wouldn't believe what I've heard. The, the worst part about this cat's testimony is that he then, he actually did the one thing the others didn't do. He actually spoke to Paxton. Mm-hmm. And Paxton said, no, it's not happening. But they proceeded anyway. Yes. And, and you have David Maxwell and others say, well, I don't know who I heard it from. Are you telling me that I can go to the FBI and say that Tony stole this thing from Sarah because someone told me? Well, who told you that Tony stole some Sarah? Well, I don't know. Right. And they will come after him? That's, that's the standard? That's hearsay. And that's the whole thing that we knew from the beginning. that When this was going through the house through this secret process where there was no transparency, we didn't see, you know, have real testimony or anything like that. We knew it was hearsay upon hearsay upon hearsay. We knew that from the beginning. And, you know, these things could have been known, but they didn't want to know them. Mm -hmm. They did them in secret. They did them in a rushed process. They did them on Memorial Day weekend, for gosh sakes. 
you know, because they wanted to get this outcome because it's a it's a political motivated thing. It's not a mo thing motivated by truth or integrity or trying to protect the state. That's a lie. That's mm. a fraud. This is a politically motivated attack. Yeah, that's the most mind boggling thing to me is these house managers had to know that at some point somebody was going to go walk in the kitchen and look at it. Surely <laughs> if you're going to impeach somebody and you're going to use this as a basis for impeachment, surely you would at least check and make sure that the countertops got replaced. Right. I think they thought they could force him to resign. That's a great point. I, I think I'm that is sure it. That That's a great every point. Step, no one expected to be where we're sitting yeah. mm -hmm. today. Mm -hmm. Everyone thought that if Ken finds out that we went to the FBI, he'll resign. Yeah. If, if General Paxton finds out that we're doing the secret investigation, he'll resign. If Ken Paxton thinks that the House is going to vote in 48 hours about impeachment, he'll resign. If he finds out that we're actually going to trial, he'll resign. Mm -hmm. And Ken Paxton did the one thing you're not supposed to do. Which Ken Paxton fought. Which right. is poetic justice, because that is Ken Paxton. Right, That's it's like, have you ever met Ken Paxton? Yeah. yeah, he's been the one fighter on all of these issues that are important. He's the guy that's refused to back down. When everybody else wouldn't go fight, Paxton would. And why they would have dis discounted that is, yeah. is again, he, he, crazy. He Last learned, he learned the lesson years ago, because, you know, the, the beginning of all these troubles was they, they had a deal to, to get this out of the way in 2014. And this stuff has lingered because he didn't fight. And that's the lesson you always have to fight. Mm -hmm. um, so I want to get into, um, you mentioned going to the FBI with no evidence. I want to I get into that, um, but we got to take a quick break and we'll be back with more. I want to thank our sponsor, Bank on Yourself. So if you're listening to Wall Street, they're going to tell you, put your money in an IRA or a 401k. Um, but they, you know, they might think risking your life savings in Wall Street Casino Secure investment for the future, but uh, studies show the average American who follows that advice will outlive their savings by, oh, you know, just a decade, 10 years. Bank on yourself is a better way to grow and protect your hard-earned money. It's a retirement plan alternative that's never had a losing year in over 160 years. I'd say that's better than the stock market. It is guaranteed predictable growth and retirement income. With Bank on Yourself, your plan isn't going to go backwards when the markets tumble. Your principal and your growth are locked in. It's tax-free retirement income. You're going to know what your tax rate will be in retirement. Zero under current tax law, which is going to protect you from the coming tax tsunami. We all know taxation is theft. It's got built-in inflation protection. Your money is guaranteed to grow by a larger dollar amount every single year in both good times and bad. So if you want guaranteed, predictable annual growth, control of your money, and tax-free retirement income, you can go to bankonyourself.com matters. They will send you a free report with the proven retirement plan alternative that banks and Wall Street are desperately hoping you will never hear about. Go to bankonyourself.com matters for your free report. All right, so, uh, Tony, you mentioned um, going to the FBI. These people, these, what, eight people went to the FBI with no evidence. And it seems preposterous when you think about it. Now, I know they kept trying to make the argument, which I could hear the lawyer here, so you'll tell me, like, well, technically it's true that, you know, uh, witness testimony is considered evidence, I guess, but feels like if you're going to accuse someone of blatant crimes and very specific crimes and allegations, you better be prepared to back that up with something like a, a text, an email, a shred of evidence. And I want to play Ryan Vassar, um, who we just played earlier. Like, I, I can't think of any reason why not. I wouldn't trust the feds right now. Here is Ryan Vassar admitting that when this group did go to the FBI, um, they 
didn't bring a shred of evidence. Watch. Let me get this straight. You went to the FBI and reported him for potential crimes without any evidence. Do I have that correct? Um, we went to the FBI and reported. Please answer my question. Yes. Our or no. belief that criminal activity had occurred. That was not my question. That Witness my needs question. to answer the question. Yes or no. Did I ask it again, Mr. Vassar? Please. I want to get this straight. You went to the FBI on September 30th with your compatriots and reported the elected attorney general of this state for a crime without any evidence. Yes? That's right. We took no evidence. Is that normal? I mean, the response is really telling to me. And, and you're right. Look, as a lawyer, testimony is evidence, mm -hmm. right? It is. But I think the answer that you hear there, you're right, no evidence. If I was asked that question, I believed in something, I was really convicted about something, I would say, oh, absolutely, I brought evidence. Mm -hmm. right? First of all, I would go get real evidence, right? Because I'm not a, you know, idiot, right? But, <laughs> you know, but it, it's, it goes to the lack of sincerity. Mm -hmm. And it really goes to the fact that you really see I think you have Maxwell and Penley spinning up this tale to the rest of the staff. And you have pressure, either implied or explicit, on this staff to say, we're taking this guy down, and if you don't step in with us, you're going to go down with him. We're going to nail this guy, and we're going to take you down with him. Mm. Tony, isn't there a difference, though, between you know, me witnessing a car accident, I, I watch it happen, versus... Me believing that hearing Brady talk about a car accident that he might have seen, th th those, are, those are different kinds of testimony. Sure, yeah, so that's, that's what you get to hearsay, right? So testimony is evidence, but not everything you say is testimony. I mean, most things, most things are not admissible, right? It, you have to talk about things that you actually saw, things that you actually know, right? So... Uh, you know, this Vassar character, I guess, you know, he, he's being honest, right? He heard some things and he went with the crowd. Yeah. He swam with, swam with the, uh, the stream of things. That's, and he went against his boss. He was insubordinate. Mm -hmm. and, and that's, that's the it, story here. What, what's so notable is you've got the you have, you know, you know, Hall of Fame Texas Ranger, mm -hmm. um, a fellow who you would assume knows how to actually conduct a, a basic investigation. I think that was actually what his title was. Mm -hmm. um, but yet in this matter... They chose to do no investigation. No. They, they, they chose to take no paperwork. Yep. They chose to ask no, no substantive questions, you know, except for Coffee Boy. Didn't get the answer they wanted, so they moved ahead anyway. But, but to, to, to the point about how this is not just about political officials, this is about the injustice that the little guy feels, you know, the, the kid in El Paso, right? This is not something that doesn't happen. Right. Mm -hmm. This is something that absolutely happens across the country day to day in many situations. It's why people, you know, you have leftists who are all unhinged about anti-cop and everything else. And that's bad, but it's it's emanating from political injustices. It's it's people blinding themselves to the lack of due process we have in this country, uh, people forgetting what what the system is supposed to be about. Yeah. And you touched on it and nailed it, too, that Maxwell and Penley, those are the two trained trained witnesses. They know how to mm -hmm. testify. They're the ones at the center of this. They're the ones confident in their testimony. And then you watched every other 
person get on the stand and you watch them literally crumble under under Busby or whoever it was on the defense, they crumbled because exactly to your point, they're not confident in any of this. They didn't actually have any evidence. Um, and so yeah, I think that's that's a kind of the underlining point to all of this and what we what we've seen play out is is who's really in the middle of this thing. And, yeah. and this was the first time these people had been under oath. Right. You can say all sorts of yip yap when you're <laughs> when you're when you're talking over a cup of coffee with some guy from the FBI. Um, the the world changes a little bit when you're under oath in front of, arguably, thirty of the most powerful people in the state of Texas, among the couple hundred most powerful people on the on the face of the earth, and you've had to swear an oath. And I think that's why you did see them crumble. Is these these folks realize, oh, we really intended this to end. <laughs> a long time back. Well, and, and Dan Patrick wasn't tolerating nonsense in terms of the question. I mean, he actually saw an application of the rules of evidence here, kind of an aggressive application, mm -hmm. frankly, of not letting them just go off in these narrative stories. You know, that's what you saw even in the legal pleadings where they just wanted to tell this kind of tale, this story. But you get people in and you ask real hard, tough questions they have to actually answer real questions, and yeah. that's what that's what we saw here. So um, you mentioned uh, Ranger Maxwell. I, I want to play an exchange between him and Paxton's attorney Dan Cogdell, who was again going back to the idea that so you think that the FBI is so amazing um, that they would never do anything wrong, and if you did think that they did something wrong, you, it would be a crime to investigate their wrongdoing, because I guess you're just supposed to trust that they're going to investigate themselves. I'm not quite sure how that one works, but I want to play this exchange because I think it was very powerful pointing out at the end of it, um, you actually didn't ever do the work to figure out if this search warrant affidavit, if it smelled, right? You didn't do the work. You didn't go through the motions. Um, um, and, and having him under oath, I think, this time was the important part of this exchange. Watch. Let me get this straight, Ranger. So if the feds break into my house, break the door down, hold my wife at gunpoint, kick my dog, uh, cut off my Internet, search my <laughs> house without a warrant, and I want that crime to be investigated, you're telling this jury with a straight face that that's obstructing justice and interfering with a federal investigation? That's your position? Ranger, you're smarter than that. They did have a search warrant, and they did execute it, and it was lawful. You don't know if the search warrant is lawful, was lawfully issued or not. You don't have a clue, do you? Mr. Nate Paul doesn't have any evidence that it wasn't lawful. Witness, please. Arguing with the witness. Objection. Sustain. Have you ever analyzed the search warrant affidavit to see if it establishes probable cause for each of the search warrants that were issued? Mr. Paul did not provide Objection, us with the document. Objection. Non-responsive. So there it was. So I guess Mr. Paul was supposed to do the investigating for him and find the smoking gun and then hand it all over on a silver platter rather than the people who are supposed to do the investigating actually do that. At which point you would say, well, of course this guy manufactured this evidence. You know, th this is why we have these layers of checks and balances within our system, allegedly within the criminal justice system, <laughs> is so that I can go to someone who is dispassionate, someone who doesn't have, you know, 
might not have prison in their immediate future mm. based on the outcome. That's why you go to your attorney general, your district attorney, right. or you go to, is so they can ask those questions and get the information in a way that doesn't taint the investigation. Nate Paul investigating himself, he, he was absolutely going to find the FBI did something wrong. And Ken Paxson, to his credit, what, what was said under testimony, Ken, what Ken Paxson kept saying to every one of them, just find the truth. Yeah. Was this warrant legitimate or not? Mm-hmm. And that's what they all testified under oath was the only thing Ken asked them to do, that Ken Paxson asked them to do, was to, was to find out mm-hmm. was this legitimate or not. And he, apparently that's a crime. He was telling Kamek, he said, go find me a wet copy of this search warrant, the original signed, you know, with the judge's signature in pen ink. Mm-hmm. Find that so we can look, we can do them side by side and then we'll know, right? Yeah. The whole thing will be over. It's just like... That's a crime to go f- try to find the original document and so you could compare it to the copy? Right. I mean, this is ludicrous. Sounds like a man trying to do his job. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right, we've got to uh, we got to take another quick break, but we'll be back with more. I want to thank our sponsor first, this segment, Bambi. So if you're running a business, your employees can create all kinds of interesting situations, like getting complaints because, I don't know, Maybe someone forgot to wear deodorant and frequently forgets to wear deodorant. You, but you, the point is, you don't want to talk. You don't, how are you going to handle that? You can't. You need to talk to Bambi. With Bambi, you get access to your own dedicated HR manager starting at just $99 per month. They're available by phone, email, and real-time chat. So onboarding and terminations run very smoothly. Team members reach peak performance, and your business stays compliant with changing HR regulations. In fact... I might uh, suggest that maybe Ken Paxton's office should use Bambi and they can hire better people who don't turn around and conspire to stab him in the back. That wasn't part of the script. I just added it. Uh, With Bambi's HR autopilot, you'll automate important HR practices like setting policies, training, and feedback. You can go to Bambi.com right now. Type in why it matters under podcast when you sign up. Uh, It's spelled Bambi, B-A-M-B-E-E.com. Type in why it matters under podcast. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. So let's talk about the burden of proof. This particular trial is the same. The burden of proof here is the same as a criminal trial. Am I correct, Tony? Beyond a, Beyond reason- a reasonable doubt. Right. I don't know how in good conscience anyone can vote beyond a reasonable doubt that Ken Paxton committed all of these crimes, all of the allegations, because not only did the prosecutors not bring any evidence But the defense brought up witnesses to completely disprove everything. I mean, they brought up uh, HR. They brought up uh, uh, associate deputy attorney general for legal counsel again with the titles. I don't know how they keep track of them. Uh, I mean, they brought up all of these people who said, Ken Paxton asked me if this was by the book. Ken Paxton asked me if this was legal, if he could do this. I told him yes. The ducks were in a row. The most... most tragic figure in this entire saga besides perhaps Senator Angela Paxton. The most tragic figure in all this is this poor, you know, what, five-year lawyer 
um, in Houston named Brandon Kamek, who's yeah. just told, hey, can you please go figure out if, you know, if, if this works? What we found under testimony is you know, they're interviewing several people, um, and he walks in, has a nice conversation with the Attorney General of Texas, kind of an honor for any lawyer, but particularly mm-hmm. someone at that stage of their career, followed then by a conversation with Jeff Mateer, you know, the, 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 the star witness mm-hmm. who folded like a cheap suit, you know, t- two minutes on the stand. Um, you know, but, but you find out that he actually interviewed him. He, you know, this wasn't all done. Yeah. We, we'd been led to believe this all has happened in the, in the dark of night mm-hmm. in some alley, you know, in, you know, in Houston or something. No, Jeff Mateer interviewed the guy. Mm-hmm. He got a contract from, from Vassar. All these things happen. And uh, but yet somehow Ken Paxton is this criminal mastermind. Well, he had apparently eight other minds yeah. involved in this grand, grand conspiracy also, none of whom, um, it should be noted, got any sort of criticism for yeah. it. Well, I have it on good authority from Mustache Murr that the evidence was <laughs> 10 times worse than what the House could even tell us. And so this idea that we've met this burden of proof and beyond a reasonable doubt, there's, there's been 10 times less mm. than what we were, we were promised. And so, yeah. I Great didn't point. think there was any problem with it. I, I assume this Kamek guy is going to be, you know, uh, Nate Paul's nephew or something, right? You know? yeah. <laughs> and, and he's doing this male, arguably legitimate thing. No, it's, it's this complete up-and-coming young lawyer who seemed to completely sharp and competent on the stand, and you felt sorry for him. You're like, you know, this guy never got paid because all these people attacked him right about the time he's going to send the invoice in, you know? <laughs> so here I am, the lawyer, complaining that the lawyer didn't get paid. Everybody else, <laughs> everybody else thinks that's fine. You would, Tony. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I want to, I want to get into why, right? Like, why, why are they doing this? Why is this happening? Obviously, the defense um, attempted to bring in some ideas of why in talking about uh, the case's ties to Johnny Sutton, who, of course, is a a former U.S. attorney. He has very, very close ties to the Bush family, um, specifically George W. Bush. He was appointed by President George W. Bush. I believe he worked for him as governor as well. So very, very close with them Um, and also has some like kind of a shady past in prosecuting Border Patrol agents when they were working to um, protect our border, uh, siding with illegal immigrants. So doesn't seem to be a very good guy, I would say. And it's been fascinating because we find out within the trial that these whistleblowers seem to all be connected to this same Johnny Sutton. Um, By the way, just so we're all clear, George P. Bush did run against Ken Paxton um, in 2022. So all of this is happening as George P. Bush is making the decision on whether or not he wants to run for attorney general against Ken Paxton. And curiously enough, I want to play one of these witnesses. Who is this? Mark Penley, who in this exchange admits there's been never sort of no conversation even about what the payment plan was for Johnny Sutton, who's been representing them all this time. Watch. From your office email, you forwarded grand jury subpoenas that were supposed to be secret to your counsel, Johnny Sutton, correct? That's partially correct, yes. And to be clear, you've never paid Johnny Sutton a dime, have you? Not yet. You have some type of pro bono deal with him? No. Who's paying for him? We haven't agreed on a fee arrangement yet. Oh. We've agreed to discuss that in the future. 
Let's let that sink in for a second. <laughs> this man who's a former assistant U.S. attorney, he's with the Ashcroft Law Firm, I believe. It's in multiple states. He's represented you for three years and you haven't agreed on a fee arrangement yet? I want to make sure I understand. <laughs> That's right. Haven't paid him anything? Haven't paid him anything. He's never sent you a bill? No, sir. Sounds like a great guy. Um, Tony, I'm going to go to you first on this one. You're obviously the attorney at the table. Would you ever work on a case for three entire years without just not even a discussion about pay? It, it's shady, right? <laughs> I mean, look, look, I do a ton of pro bono work. Right. right? But he said and, it wasn't pro bono. And I do a ton of pro bono work and I will absolutely there times where I will take the phone call from John Q. Citizen to explain our cryptic election laws and other things to those people. And no, I don't have to put in place an engagement letter to you know have a phone call or whatever. But whenever I'm going to get into something that's going to drag on for years, you know, I go and put in place an engagement letter that lines out, hey, here's the relationship, here's your duties, here's my duties, here's, hey, I'm doing this for free. I, you know, I'll literally do that. You're not required to if you're doing it for free, right. but you need to kind of this is weird. This is not normal stuff. And it does indicate, like, hey, look, all these people are united behind this lawyer. And I'm not saying I'm the mastermind behind everything that my clients do. They all do independent things and stuff like that. But, you know, the lawyers oftentimes know what's going on, right? <laughs> and they're helping people make choices about what they're going to do. You know, I'm not, but, right. you know, yeah. it's, it, it's so it's really, really shady. So on the as, as an attorney, Tony has said that's weird to do as an attorney. But Brady, as just a like a regular person who might want to hire an attorney, are you going to be like, please represent me? No, nope, I'm not going to ask how much you charge. I never worked the AG's office, so I don't know what those guys get paid. But I can tell you that if a former U.S. attorney is representing me for three years, I'm going to be a little concerned about the bill that's coming at the end. Yeah. And the fact that none of these guys seem concerned about the bill tells me probably somebody else picking up the tab mm -hmm. on this. Yeah, Michael, last word. Yeah, what's, what, what's very fun with this kind of the, the, the spill out now of what we've seen over the last nine days is very clearly the Bush family is very concerned about having their names attached to this big radioactive smelly heap of something uh, that uh, earlier today, um, uh, Texans for Strong Borders, a conservative group operating in Texas, as you might tell from the name what they focus on, they'd put out an email about kind of this silly stuff going on and they'd mentioned the Bush connection. Mm -hmm. uh, George W. Bush's chief of staff sent an email today saying, <laughs> we don't know who Johnny Sutton is. <laughs> no, no, never. I'd never even heard of the guy, says the chief of staff to George W. Bush. Completely, you know, you talk about a fact-free universe. Mm -hmm. This was George Bush's criminal advisor when he was governor. George Bush appointed him to be a you know, U.S. attorney. And now the Bush family knows this guy is radioactive, step back, deny, deny, deny. To me, that indicates uh, the, the level of guilt and culpability that must exist in yeah. the Bush family. All right, we got to take a quick break. We'll be right back. I saw that. So I mentioned at the top of the program, this is um, this is obviously we this is a nationwide show. We talk about nationwide news of the day, but I felt like this was important enough to to, to discuss because of the national precedent that it would set. This blueprint, if you will, of um, what it could mean for 
any other state who has an establishment, even, I mean, your own party, right, who has an establishment wing who wants to hijack and take over um, and remove duly elected officials. Am I, am I being, people sometimes accuse me of being dramatic. Am I being dramatic? No, no. Ken Paxton committed a crime. Let's be very clear. He committed the most inexcusable crime. He committed the capital offense crime of actually being effective as a conservative, as the attorney general, delivering on his campaign promises. That makes him a threat Mm -hmm. to the Biden administration. It makes him a threat to a rhino Republican administration. It makes him a threat to uh, to the bureaucracy. It makes him a threat to a lot of people. And so that's the crime he's guilty of. He either is convicted or exonerated based on where you stand on the question of should attorney generals actually be effective in representing the interests of the citizens of their states. So if you are a Republican attorney general or a wannabe Republican Mm -hmm. attorney general in some smaller state where the AG's office could fit around this table, and you, though, think maybe you could use that position as a crusader, what you're seeing today is you better shut up. Mm. You better find something else to do. You better take up fly fishing. You better do something else because they are coming after you. And the Texas Senate has in its hands right now, as we're talking, they are deliberating and they get to decide, do we want an attorney general who is a functionary of the FBI or do we want an attorney general who upholds the rights of the citizens of Texas? Yeah. Which, by the way, thank you for pointing out, they are deliberating at this very moment. And we've got like an hour in flux here. So I, we're just kind of like hoping that the, the outcome doesn't happen as we're talking, yeah. <laughs> uh, as you're watching this, because that would be a little weird. Brady, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, that it, that's this incredibly frustrating thing, especially for group like Texas Family Project. As you well know, we've worked really hard on bills like Senate Bill 12, Mm -hmm. a bill that bans these sexually explicit shows in in front of children. Um, The the Attorney General has been a champion of that sort of legislation. Today, that bill has now been extended. Its blockage has been extended by a U.S. District Judge. He's blocked that bill. And instead of fighting for these interests of the people, instead of fighting to protect kids in this state, our Attorney General is fighting to protect himself against a drunken and Democrat-led House that decided they wanted to impeach him. Mm-hmm. And not just that, the uh, the border, the buoys. Mm-hmm. We have no, I mean, I mean, I guess we have an interim AG fighting it, but sure would be nice to have our guy in there Absolutely. fighting the fight for us. The, who, who the voters chose. It's right. amazing to me how often the theme was so consistent in the House pleadings, and they literally said it in their opening, and the, it, the theme of the, the day was, we know better than the voters. Mm-hmm. The voters were incompetent when they elected this guy. They should have known better. They This was all out there. They didn't make the right choice. That's the theme. We know better than voters. And I think voters should be mad. They have the facts here to see that this was a farce. This is ridiculous. Regardless of what these senators do, mm-hmm. this was a farce. They know it was a farce. And they need to be holding people accountable. And it's just a question of who. Yeah. It's, a, it's just a question of who. Who respects the will of the voters who put this attorney general in office? And who doesn't respect the will of the voters? Yeah, yeah. All right, got to take a break. We'll be right back. All right, so before we go, if you are in Texas and you are watching this and you're like, I want my voice to be heard, I want to make sure that I've, if I voted for Ken Paxton, I want to make sure that my state senator or 
I don't know, any of the state senators that are currently deliberating this, um, they know that I want my vote to matter. Well, we've uh, compiled some numbers for you to call here. We've got some of these are senators who are said to be on the fence. So swing votes just based off of certain motions pre-trial. Was, was my lingo okay there, I, I think that I think that's right. It's basically a pretty <laughs> good list of people who, you know, don't seem to have their minds made up or didn't two weeks ago. Yeah. So Brian Hughes, Mays Middleton, Drew Springer, which, by the way, just a shout out to Drew Springer. I actually am your constituent. I am in your district. And I respectfully can promise you that I will personally and very actively promote your primary challenger if <laughs> you do not yesterday. vote the right way. What? Who announced yesterday. D okay. Did she officially announce? She did officially announce, yeah. Carrie, my girl. <laughs> I will have Carrie on this program. I will give her national exposure if you do not vote the right way. It's not a threat. It's just it's just what I'm going to do. It's a promise. Uh, again, respectfully, Drew, I'll continue. Phil King, Charles Perry, uh, Brian Birdwell, Pete Flores, Kevin Sparks. And I guess the rumor on Twitter is that Kelly Hancock is a, a big one to call as well. So I would say all of these numbers, you're probably going to go to voicemail. So don't be intimidated that you're going to like the senator is not going to answer. I can promise you that <laughs> if anyone answers, it's going to be um, a, a staffer and they will very politely take your take your message. Be respectful. But please, please, please make your voice heard. If I mean, you know, if you want your vote to matter. Um, Michael Quinn Sullivan, where can people find you real quick? We'd love to have uh, folks check out our work at texasscorecard.com, and I'm also on Twitter and all those places. Yes, and Brady, Texas Family Project. TexasFamilyProject.com, online at Family Project TX. Yeah. Quickly. Tweet, tweet Tony Mack. <laughs> Thank you guys for being here. Stream and subscribe to more Blaze Media content at theblaze.com slash podcasts.